Hey there, storytelling fans. Seth Singleton here. I wanted to let you know about some changes to our format in this episode, as well as in future episodes of Storytelling with Seth as we get closer to the upcoming election. I've been lucky enough to partner with Anchor to record three very useful, very helpful ad campaigns that will let you know about all the ways and tools that you can make sure that your voice and the voices of those you care about are heard in this election. For that reason, I built out extra ad space time for the beginning of this episode, and I will do so for every episode up to the day of the election. After that, you'll see things switch back to our regular format. We'll try to keep the ads as minimal as possible while also doing our best to keep you informed. But we appreciate your understanding at this time when it's important to let as many voices as possible know just what their options are and how they can make sure their voice is heard in this election and every election. Hey everyone, this is Storytelling with Seth and this is your host, Seth Singleton. This is a special episode that I was lucky enough to be a part of through the collaboration with the really amazing Tony Farina. I'm just going to go ahead and preface your listening to this episode by saying if you haven't yet heard part one, available now on Indie Comics Spotlight through Comics in Motion, please go ahead and listen to that first. Get to know our introduction to Tony Farina, Justin Greenwood, and all the great things we have to talk about. And then, when it's time, go ahead and switch over to this episode when you have an opportunity to hear part two, a great collaboration. It's always amazing what's going to happen when you work with someone on a new idea and a new project. I usually find that I learn a few things, and one of the great things about this discussion was how much I need to trust the instincts of one Mr. Tony Farina. Thankfully, I listened and understood what it was he was trying to do and wanted me to participate in. And once I did, I was so grateful that it was an amazing thing when we were lucky enough to land Justin Greenwood as our first guest for this collaboration between Storytelling with Seth and Indie Comics Spotlight. Part one is already there on the Comics in Motion original podcast, Indie Comics Spotlight. And if you've already heard it, then you know that you're in store for a really great second half based on everything Justin has talked about with us so far. The artists behind amazing works like Stumptown, Wasteland, Fuse, and so much more gives us amazing insight to his craft, his process, his journey, and all of the wonderful details he's unlocked as part of his discovery through his years as a comic book artist. Thank you for joining me and Tony Farina in this really great collaboration. I had a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to us doing it again. Now for part two of our great interview with Justin Greenwood. And with that, uh, we're going to do a non-visual but verbal handoff. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> You've, you're stepping into part two of an amazing uh, three-person conversation Tony Farina with his uh, Indie Comics podcast, Spotlight, has given us a chance to really step into the world that, Justin, you've created. And here on this next part, Storytelling with Seth, I, I want to get into the ideas just that I've touched or I've heard as I've touched on some of the interviews as I've been listening to Tony ask these great questions. And I want to start with something just on the whole craft side of things where... Mm -hmm. I get a chance to hear your thoughts on something that that totally stuck with me because when I heard this, when I read this, I thought to myself, I can relate to that as a soccer player, as a writer. There's a feeling that comes when you do something well. And, and this was something that I, I read from you and it said, there's something about the satisfaction of laying down ink with a brush. Yeah. And you were talking about the idea of how, how you could one day go digital, but mm -hmm. right now there isn't anything beyond that satisfaction. What is that satisfaction like? When did you start to discover it as being um, something that, that held more than just finishing a project? Yeah, right, right. Starting a project, you know, but what is that idea like when you actually do it well 
and and know that satisfaction in your work? Yeah, well, I think um, that's an interesting question. I I bought an I iPad. Try, man. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking it's through like how to answer uh, comprehensively. But I did get an iPad for the purpose of trying out digital. But admittedly, I just can't get that into it. And I think it is because um, I I like having to commit uh, permanently, and even if it means redrawing something altogether, I like the energy for me. The cha- the challenge of pulling something off is the half the fun of it. Um, and a lot of times, even when I'm penciling. I'm thinking about like laying down a foundation and making sure everything's in the right, the right place in a, in a logical sense and storytelling and shapes. But once that stuff is there, the inking is the payoff for me. Um, I love to, I love the action of like embellishing and pushing the stuff. And, and there's an, a sense of instinct to it that I don't get digitally. I, I think maybe if I did it enough, it might be different. Um, but it's also, it's also the, it, it's, it's the experiment. It, I mean, um, what am I trying to say? You know, you draw all the time, every day. Like in my case, I draw every day. And um, I'm, I still feel very driven to improve and to be better and to find better solutions and to make things look closer to whatever's in my head. And I think um, n- nothing ever feels good enough. It's a common feeling for anybody, I think, again, like having to do with creative endeavor. Like nothing ever feels good enough because you are shooting for an ideal. In your mind, you have some perfect version of that. And I doubt it's very clear what that is. I, 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 it's not for me. It's very like vague. But when you see it on the paper, you know it. When you when you hit something, I remember. It's not the last time it happened, but the most clear time it happened. I was working on Fuse, and I remember I was, I just drew this image, and I just felt like that's the direction I want to go. That's better. Like I, I don't know why it was different, and I remember I put that page up for a long time in my studio because I felt like I want to head towards that that tunnel. I don't know what that. Is. It's just a feeling, right? Like it might may, may probably looks exactly the same to anybody else. But the line weight was a little different. There was a little texture in it. I don't know what it was. The shapes were just a little more interesting. It pushed a little farther, and I just felt like that. This is something I want to do. I want to do more of, and I want the spirit that's in this. I want that to convey every time I'm drawing. And it's like that. It's a series of those steps building on top of them that move you in a direction uh, that hopefully you feel good about and keeps you drawing. I mean, um, I don't think I have a project not yet where I, I look back at it and think, Oh, that's, that's what I'm doing now. Wasn't as good as that. I feel like everything I'm doing is better than the previous time I, I tried to do another project. And I think it's because, um, I think it's that uh, sense of drive and the sense of experimenting and, and trying things out. I mean, I'm always trying out different stuff. Every, every project trying something new and thinking about what is a good fit for that project that may be different from a different one. But, uh, I guess that's kind of abstract. Like right now I'm working on a project that is, um, in it's kind of a period period style thing actually this is a perfect example i'm working on two projects uh side by side right now one is a a series i'm it hasn't been announced yet so i can't talk too much about it but it's based in history and it's and because it's based in history nothing's clean it's very dirty and um uh that texture adds something to that story and then on the other side i'm working on another thing a side project that's just a one shot with a friend of mine that i'm that is a, a bay area based like a crime story with, with another, some other angles. It's really cool. And, uh, but stylistically it's completely different. So I did it on different paper. Um, I wanted to get a different look to it. I wanted to, I want them to feel like completely different projects. You're not going to look at it and think, Oh, who, who drew that? Like, you'll know, uh, stylistically it's still <laughs> mine, but, um, but they don't feel the same. There's a different feeling. And I think every time I commit to something, some we, earlier we were talking about creator own comics and, the, the personal quality to it. And, and every time I take on a project, I, I, once I decide, like, I definitely want to do this, I really mentally commit to it and think about what is it about this that's special? What can I bring to this to make this special? And I think it's, it's that excitement of the exploration of finding that thing out and, and working in that direction. Uh, it's, it's the thing that keeps me working. It's, it keeps me, keeps me motivated. And, um, I guess that doesn't exactly relate to what you were saying, but I guess every project I'm always finding that thing. Fine. That's <laughs> so amazing. Oh my God. No, that was awesome. <laughs> the, the best thing is you're talking about trying to understand a process of discovery that I mean, you're not only in the yeah. midst of, but also looking back at and trying to see from multiple places. And yet when you're in the middle of doing it, you're just doing what you feel and hope works. Yes. And yet, you know, you're trying to get to that satisfaction. It, it's not like you're ever chasing the dragon that first 
you know, high and then, yeah. oh man, how do I get back up to that? But you know, there, there's a feeling where it's like, I could have done certain things, but overall I've completed something. And I know that there's a feeling of that completeness, like ringing a bell or, yeah. uh, you know, um, a knock to it. But how do you describe that in your own words is not only a challenge, but it's an opportunity for anybody else listening because what you were just describing, building on everything you've done so far, improving upon it, but understanding how all those steps to it were part of that improvement process of always yeah. being, um, and then matching a project. That's, those are all things that I, I really think people can relate to when they're pursuing their craft, when they're trying to either meet their ideal or work with someone else to create an ideal. And that's invaluable to hear for others, man. I Thank think, you. <laughs> and I think related to digital, I just, um, I don't have that same spirit when I'm working on digital. It feels more mechanical. It feels like I, th I can see myself integrating the digital portion into doing like comps and loose pencils and then printing that up and then inking on top. So I kind of get both the, the efficiency of digital and uh, the finished product of, of ink. I can see going that route, but it's going to require a real change of mental shift to, to give myself enough room to, to feel comfortable enough on the iPad to do that. And um, mm -hmm. I guess I'm just impatient. I just want to keep going. I, I'm not, I, I don't have the need for that right now. I'm not, I don't, Thankfully, I'm not so slow at the regular process that I feel like I have to do that, you know. Um, but I'd like to learn how to color a little more, something I'm interested in. And I, I think having an iPad is going to be really useful for that. And so that's the kind of where I'm starting to integrate it now is learning to color and, and you know, actually draw right on a screen. is pretty nice. Yeah, I talked to John yeah. Rash once and he, I think he, colored, who's like a master colorist, right? I think he yes, colors. Yes, great. He's amazing. I think he colors digitally. I think. And so how I think does that... Right, so so like you're doing the paper, and then you your colorist gets it digitally and colors on top of it that way. Yeah, yeah. I work on paper and I scan it and send it over to the colorist, and you know I try to get them a good high res cleaned up file that they can use. And I'm sure it would be easier if it were digital because uh, the file would be super clean. But um, hey, you know, I mean that's half the fun, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't draw in such in such a. I mean, some of it leans into style, right? Like I, I don't know where style begins and. Have you ever heard the expression like something about uh, style is really a measurement of what you can't do very well like, or like uh, an assessment of what a, st a style yes. is like an assessment of what you <laughs> fail at or I forget the way it's worded, but there's a lot of truth in it. I mean, like, I, I mean, some of it is um, for me, I know in terms of like choices I make, it'll definitely comes down to economy as part of it and recognizing that if you're going to work on things in a monthly way, um, I kind of leaned into something that uh, I felt like I could manage, but also I, I don't, I'm not that interested in perfection. I, I mean, I, there, I'm interested in energy. That's the thing that really I want to come down on the page. When I ink, I'm thinking about energy. When I'm thinking about movement, and I'm not worried about idealism very much. And I think um, sometimes that's, that shoots me in the foot because I feel like the average comic reader probably loves realism, but I'm not, just not that hung up on realism. I, I want it to be realistic enough to relate to it, but I, I, the thing that really gets me excited is composition and energy and, and movement. That, that That's what... I find interesting. I think when you listen back to this answer, you're going to be as in, you're going to be able to enjoy it the way we just did. I, I, I <laughs> hope that's and I awesome. are like nodding and smiling yeah. and bobbing uh. our heads and thinking to ourselves, <laughs> as Tony mentioned in the first part of this conversation, I'm just going to say, if you're jumping in now, go back, listen to the beginning of this conversation that Tony Farina starts us on. And there's so many great ideas. He mentions that we're both in the midst of our own writing projects and satisfaction and knowing a completeness and sort of having that sense in your work is always, you know, it's a pursuit, but finding it and getting it and then knowing it when you get it, it it's yeah. such a challenge. And yes. I think hearing you describe it the way you did, it, it shows us the parts that we can relate to as you just described with the idea of energy, but yet it also allows us to see inside somebody else's thinking about it. Yeah. And that can be a, a really helpful way of just understanding Hey, like, like you said, style is as much about what we do and don't and about what we can, you know, grasp yeah. and what fits in what we understand. Um, yeah. So thanks, man. I think that <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very ethereal thing, right? I mean, like, I, I don't, yeah. I don't even, I couldn't tell you right now what I'm trying to do exactly. Right. But I know when I see it, like when I feel it, I go, that's it. That's, that's, that's that thing. And I think the success yeah. are just periods of having that feeling on paper. I mean, it's never what other people, I'm, I'm really glad when anybody likes anything I drew, I'm excited. And if I, if I drew it, I feel like at least good enough about it that I put it out there. But, you know, there's some stuff you're going to look at of your own that you're just gonna be like, that's it, that's it. I'm, I want to do this. Or like, sometimes you feel like you get it right. 
you may feel differently next week. But I have to go with that instinct that at the time I did it, I felt good. And so I'm going to consider that a step forward. And generally, I think uh, that feeling is usually right. I mean, or if it's wrong, I'm, I'm way, by the time I decide it's wrong, I'm way on to something else at that point to where I don't care anymore. Right? It's all mentality. Exactly. <laughs> right, you can't, you can't ever go back, right? Like uh, Kahil Gabron, or not, um, well, I can't even think of his name right now. The Book of Nightmares guy. Um, he used to like republish that book like every couple of years. Um, he like he published his book of poems like every couple of years. He'd like pull it in and then like rewrite it and republish. Oh, that's it. Funny. Like, dude, you can't, it's out there, man. You got to write something new. But you know, he he kept. He never liked it enough. So it's so good to hear you say it's like that's what I did this week. And again, like what Seth just said for us, it's like that's what I did this week. That's what I'm. This is my book. It's done. I can yeah. I can go back and fix a typo and whatever. But I gotta leave it. I gotta work on the next thing. So yeah, I mean, I could, I could write an essay. I could write, I mean, books on what I feel like I could do better or look at, I could look at anything and tell you what I didn't like about it. But like, who, honestly, who cares? Like you're, you did, if you, hopefully if you did it right, you did the absolute best you could. And then you move on to the next thing. As long as you're moving forward, I feel like it's worth doing, you know? Um, and I think that's a mentality thing too. Not every comic book person or creative person has that feeling. I, I, I have friends who, it's the opposite. They, they want to be perfect so much that like it, it gets in the way of things coming out too. And, and I don't know that that's wrong or right. It's just, a, it's just, you have to, you have to listen to that for yourself and decide what that is. I, I don't want to labor over something or walk in circles around it for so long. I feel like I'll just get in my own way. I could do that. I mean, I can sense that in myself, but um, I don't think I'd be helping anybody. Like it's never going to feel perfect anyway. So just do your very best. And as long as you're aiming and you're hitting the, mark in the direction you're shooting for hopefully um you're improving and the work uh, looks better and better I, I i will say the only real measurement of success in that direction is do is is feeling like every everything i do i feel like is a better version of myself and if, as long as i'm getting better i feel like i'm doing it right you know whatever right is for me that's what it is you know Right. I, it reminds me of, um, I was always intrigued when I, I remember I knew an actor who would talk about the choices they would make when it came to yeah. a character. And there would be this definitive process where either they stood behind the choices they'd made or they wanted to make choices that they could stand behind and just say, yeah. these are my choices regarding this character. And, and this is where I'm going to come at it, whether it ends up being my best performance or the reason I don't get the gig. But yeah. making those choices and sticking to them and just sort of knowing that this is what I see right now as being my direction, my choice, and uh, where I'm going to be putting my energies in. And knowing that and just committing to it, I think is probably the hardest thing because I can honestly say I've walked circles around so many projects that after yeah. a while I'm like, okay, at some point I'm just enjoying a bit of mental self-pleasuring here and right. I'm not really getting off the pot. You know, I'm just sort of like, this is so yeah. great. I'm so <laughs> wonderful. Mentaling self-pleasure, that ought to be a t-shirt. I like that. Uh, <laughs> you know what, man? I'll just, I'll, I'll happily share the phrase if you can come up with a great design to go with it. We'll go yeah, into collab. Hey, man, I, I, I'm happy to have it recorded and documented. <laughs> yeah. um, let I mean, me know exactly what I know exactly what you mean. Like all kidding aside, I know exactly what you mean. And um, I don't know. I think early on, I felt like, look, I can't control whether people like my art. Like I, I can't make myself instantly better. The only way I'm going to get better is by doing more of it, right? Like every, every, I mean, no matter how good you are, where you start is where you start and you, and you improve. Uh, almost anything you're doing a lot of, you're going to get better. It's, it's, for sure, it's a fact. And so I felt like, look, I'm going to focus on making my deadlines and being, I'm going to focus on being a good storyteller. I'm going to work on these foundational elements as an artist at the, from the very beginning, I remember being very clearly thinking like, this is, I want to get this stuff under my belt and feel like I can do this. And then once I feel like I have a handle on that, I can start to fine tune what it, what, what I'm trying to do with my personal craft and my personal voice. And um, it's only in the last few years that I feel like I have enough time and focus and I've gotten to a point where I feel good enough to really narrow that down. And I, I may never, that process may never end, but I'm happy to be on to that stage of, of really trying to, from a craft sense, get get better and improve and think about what what it is that works. When there's something like going beyond just what what works well and really trying to find the very best best version of that. And um, that, again, I don't think that's a pursuit that's ever going to end. But I I feel good about where that's going. I guess if that makes sense. It, it, no, it's it's one of those things where you've you've got this idea or this vision on the horizon. And as long as you're always working towards it, as yeah. long as that's the thing that, that you're always striving towards. 
and it's part of what's driving you. Let me let me have a little bit of fun and just shift gears for a minute uh, for just a humorous thing that always comes to mind, which is you were talking about going on set. And yeah. I love the story about a writer who gets their work published, gets it uh, turned into a movie, and they're so excited about everything that they finally arrive on the set and the character opens their mouth and it's in a totally other language. And the writer's <laughs> looking around like, what happened? And they have to sort of like adjust to the fact that, that what they thought was happening is now appearing and sounding so different than when they put it down. Now that's an extreme example. Yeah. But when it comes to seeing Stumptown um, and, and sort of seeing what you've done on paper and then seeing it on the screen or visiting the set, had there ever been any experience where you were like, whoa, that, oh, man, that's new. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty surreal, right? I mean, just seeing yeah. that stuff come to, like, the first time I saw the pilot, I just, I just had the dumb, this big, dumb grin on my face. Uh, I'm just like, I was with my wife. I'm like, can you believe this? Like, this is a real thing. Like, we're not just talking about it. It exists. I think it's going to be on TV. Like, it's, just, it's insanity. Uh, and it's insanity that, again, you work on this thing for so long, and it is personal to you, but the readership of comics is nothing like television. It's just a it's much different thing. Comics fans are, are they, if you're into comics, you probably love comics. Nobody's really kind of into comics. Not really. Uh, and that fan base is just smaller. It just is. Uh, so when, when Stumptown is a comic, folks who love comics are like, dang, that's so cool. I love that book. But when this, when sometimes on television, it's, it is crazy because everybody's mom and dad know it. Everybody, everybody's it, suddenly everybody's heard of it. And it'd be and like, I'll never forget. Um, when we, when the show got announced and there was a, there was a trailer for it on TV for the, like it was a regular commercial where I was with my friend's folks and uh, he was, I forget what he was. We were out camping uh, and I was just talking to them. It was nice to catch up to him with them. And, um, he was trying to, he, he's, his dad says, hey, so uh, I heard you got like some kind of movie or uh, TV, TV thing going. I said, yeah, we've got this, they're making a show based on the comic and uh, Kobe uh, Smaller is going to be, he's going to be playing the main character. And then uh, only halfway paying attention, uh, his stepmom turned around, she goes, what do you mean Dex? And I go, what? And she goes, Dex. <laughs> I said, you know who Dex is? She goes, I, I'm so excited for that show, that Stumptown show. And I'm like, this is a trip. I mean, like, it's just because you don't expect it, right? Like, it's such a... Right. And when somebody, I don't know, that, that experience is totally surreal because it went from being your personal small thing to some to a lot of people's big thing. And, um, but it's also awesome, not in a bad way. It's, a, it's incredible. It's just, just a trip. Yeah, you're suddenly looking at this thing, and like you said, just with that grin on your face, like, can you believe this? I did yeah, this. I... Totally <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so, so surreal, but, um, but also totally totally awesome like uh, and again it would be different i think if i didn't like the show uh, i think i'd be bummed out or you know or i wouldn't have nearly as such enthusiastic feelings about it but i mean the show's great so I, we just we really did just get lucky in that sense i would imagine yeah. sorry tony no no i was just gonna i just i was gonna <laughs> wax poetic again i just again about the um well the performances on it, it it's one of those things where um for you as a creator to see, like, there's sometimes there's some panels from your show, from your book that show up, like, yeah. they do, it's not quite like Edgar Wright did, I mean, another Oni Press, it's not quite like what Edgar Wright did with uh, Scott Pilgrim, where he literally, yeah. like, just lifted a panel, but there's some where it's, like, especially the look on her face, or the way she's dressed, or an outfit, or something in the background, it's oh, like, yeah. oh, that was on that panel, so that must just be, like, a little Easter egg for the nerds. Oh, it, it totally, you're so right, it, it, the, for actually, the pilot episode, when they go to the hotel, that's the same hotel we used as reference for the 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 um, stakeout issue. It was a silent issue, and you know, you're she's out front of that hotel and she's looking in, and then we did this whole sequence where, anyways, you know, it's seeing that in real life is like, well, maybe it's a coincidence because it's just, or maybe it's just because it's a totally interesting looking hotel. But um, when that stuff pops up, it's like that is a trip, uh, or like the Kopi Luwak, and you know, that's only in like tangentially it's not the same storyline but it you know it gets incorporated in the, into the show and it's like oh it's so trippy to see that stuff uh brought to life in a different form totally different format i can only imagine um and now I, just because it's fun to always shift gears something that really caught my attention was when i was reading some of your interviews and also when i was listening to you now you have this ability to speak the language of comic books in a way that feels so natural and i'm always amazed when i've I've worked so many different trades 
while trying to find one that let me write on the side or, or, you know, that I could make enough money to also have the time yeah. to write. And in each one, there's just this language, this lexicon that, that is specific to that, that career. I've, from me cutting to different things that I've done where people are like, they, they use these terms where you're like, I wouldn't know that if I wasn't in this and if I was a stranger passing by. So I was curious about what your understanding was from the moment you're, you're going up to tables and showing your work to yeah. where you start using things like breakdowns, comps, as you're talking about them, I'm trying to conceptualize them, but uh -huh. they become part of your language. Was there an introduction process for you with that? Is there something that sort of helped you translate this idea of what someone's saying when they're saying the word and right. what you're giving them in response to that and, and how that uh, process sort of developed? Was it, a, was it an easy thing? Had you been studying this language beforehand or was it something that grew as you did more projects with creators? Yeah, that's interesting. Yes. Uh I don't think it was a hard thing because I've never thought about it, in which if I had thought about it, it means I was trying to figure it out. So I don't think that part, but, but I will say, I also went to art school first, right? I don't think, um, right. I don't think you have to go to art school to be an artist. In fact, I, I personally needed discipline. You know, everybody's different. In my case, I, I went to college for a little while after school. And then I felt like, you know what, I'm in my twenties, there'll be time for whatever. I want to have some fun. And so I just, I just worked, I would draw on the side, but I was, I was definitely unfocused would be fair uh, to say. I was, I was a kind of wild kid for a minute. And so when I got to a point where I felt like, you know what, it's time for me to take this serious. If I'm going to do this thing I keep talking about doing, I'm going to, I'm going to go a hundred percent. For me, that's what I needed. You know, it, all people have to do really is just practice, but I needed somebody to make me practice at least for a while. And um, that was the biggest thing that the art school taught me. But while there, I mean, you learn all kinds of lexicon, right? I mean, art is art, regardless of its comics, whether it's photographs, whether it's painting, illustration, traditional illustration, I mean, all of it shares similar understandings of composition, shape, color, design, uh, modeling, just um, stuff that you'll do while you're there that you just, you don't think about it as you're learning the words, but what you're really doing is attaching a name to something that you instinctually might or might not know. I mean, it depends on what it is. Mm. But I remember feeling like, oh man, I can draw, I'm, I'm great. And then you go to art school and you go in a room with every kid who can draw and they're all better than you or probably at least, I mean, most of them. And you think like, oh, I have a lot of work to do um i know i had that feeling like the, the every if everybody's kid who could draw the best in your school suddenly went to one class you really learn who's actually that good right quickly because they can pr produce the thing that they're you know you can give them any task and they can come up with an answer that's great and i felt like look i i don't know it, it was very humbling to to sit in that room and feel like okay i definitely have work to do and i'm gonna i'm gonna apply myself i'm, I'm serious and i think i benefited from being older at that point too like i wasn't right out of high school and if i had been i might have had a totally different experience but when you're spending your own money and you're like all right i want to be an artist and i'm going to art school here's the expectation i'm gonna i'm gonna give them everything i got to, to do my very best and to learn and in that process you, you kind of learn the lexicon just from just from osmosis and, and talking to folks and whatever but i mean it's it I don't know what, which of those expressions or what in that language transferred over to comics until you just started doing comics and you find the language is comparable. But like, I mean, talking to other artists is really where the, you start to really fine tune what, I don't know, some of that stuff. I, that's interesting. I never even thought about uh, ways to express <laughs> it on with words, but um, I guess that's what it is. Yeah, I, I guess probably going to art school gave me a leg up, but then, uh, you know, you talk to other artists and you're going to hear everything, right? I mean, everybody has an opinion about one thing or another and you, you're going to run into all kinds of stuff. There's a, for as much as you learn um, going to classes all the time, there's so much more you can't possibly learn. You have to experience or you have to be exposed to things that you don't expect. Um, and that's not specific to art school. That's just life. And in fact, I think that's the one qualification for being, I think, to really trying to be a creative person is experiencing life, right? I mean, it's, it's the number one thing. Whether that's art school or not, that's up to you. Right. No, I think you've really, you know, keyed into something. It's, it's about this pursuit that you're taking on and the things that you're going to learn in order. And at some point I think it becomes intrinsic, but it's just, you're just absorbing it because this is what you have to know in order to complete whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, but I was always, I was always caught by it because I remember I had a friend in, in high school and I worked on the high school newspaper, which was just like maybe completely undateable for quite a period of time. And that's just, <laughs> That's just the process of being a writer. Like, it's not about being that. It's about being this. 
And there was a there was a really gifted artist who was our cartoonist, which was just a blessing for a newspaper. And he went on to Academy of Art and he was working trying to get noticed in comics. And I think he got maybe some attention from like a, maybe De, maybe Valiant or I think Defiant was one of those short lived sort of. Oh, um, yeah, I remember Defiant. That was a publisher, I think. Or they were mm -hmm. an or something. Yeah, yeah. And his inroad might have been his name was Eric Knudsen. Really good guy. Just a really interesting guy. And I remember he was talking to me about how this one inroad might be that somebody liked some of his work as maybe background work yeah. for a project that was coming up. And I'm trying to understand how it is that that's not like a win. And he's going, well, it's about trying to get in the door. And it's also about learning what it is that they're asking of me when they're saying, you know, these different ideas. And yeah. I was still really young at understanding all of this. He was already graduated from high school. I think I was a junior, senior. And to me, it just seemed like he was taking on, I mean, I was like, you're going to be gone away at sea for like six years? Because that's what pursuing comic books look like from my uh -huh. viewpoint. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You, you sound like one of those people going off to LA to become an actor. Like, how do you know you've got this thing? You're good. Yeah. yeah. But he also stored, you know, he really understood what it was he felt he was up against and yeah. what he was going to take for him to get there. And part of that was understanding what he could provide that would allow him to be valuable, someone yeah. who could be a part of that process. And there were times where he would talk about things where I could tell he would go, yeah, it's hard to explain if you're not in it, you know, if you're not involved in it right now. And he yeah. couldn't translate it to me, but you've done such a great job of introducing okay. some of those ideas and also sort of just showing me that with time, it's something you can talk about. And it's never yeah. easy to talk about. It's never clear but it's it's part of what you're doing and it's, it's yeah and you trade, become right? submerged in it right i mean if you, it's like right. a, a pursuit once you're that knee deep in it you're not you're not thinking about what words you're thinking about the concept like the words are sort of incidental i mean i remember i like you mentioned comps i i call them comps i, I honestly most people don't call them comps i i think of them as comps because that is what um i learned in art school but like most people just call them thumbnails and I, in my mind thumbnails are something slightly smaller but it yeah nobody nobody <laughs> doesn't understand what i mean when i say comps like they get it um, and I've never bothered to change it because it didn't get in the way of conversation, right? Right, but, yeah. Uh, that path is so crazy. I was just thinking, listening to you talk to your friend, it just reminds me, you know, one thing I definitely am naturally I think is practical and uh, kind of like the conversation about not going to art school right away too. I, I, I had a full-time job and when I decided it, I was going to get into comics, and I got my first job was resurrection, but I kept my day job because I felt like I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, I mean, I don't even know if I'm cut out for this. I hope I am. And I, I feel like I am, but ultimately I, I don't know. And so I had it. I mean, I had a day job for years and, and I, I would do a resurrection was a monthly book, but it was only 16 pages of main story. So I could handle 16 pages a month and still have a job. Um, and then as I took on projects that were more full length issues, I would cut my time back. So I, I, I went from like full-time to like part-time and then I was cutting my time back a little more. And then when <laughs> I got to a point where I'm like, geez, this is a tough way to do things. I mean, I, I loved all the projects I'd worked on at that point, but I wasn't making enough money to really survive on it. I had to have another job and I felt like I need to either, it's so surreal. I was just having this conversation earlier today. We didn't have this conversation on this podcast, right? No, I don't, I don't think oh, so. I think this is, this is, I, I, I was on another call. No, I was no. talking <laughs> to friends earlier today on the same topic. Uh, it's so funny this comes up, but I, I, I remember I was, my wife was pregnant with my daughter uh, who's now nine, but uh, I know, no, it was my son. Uh, we already had Laney. I was already working on comics and, and my son who was, who was now seven. So it was about seven years ago. And I felt like, geez, if I'm going to support this family, I either need to be as committed as possible and go get both feet in there and go after it. Or I need to dial it back more and just make it a part-time thing. I'll just do it on the side and get a, a regular job. And, um, and I wouldn't have felt bad about either choice. It was just like, you have to be realistic about what my options are. And it was right around that time that Anthony had reached out about the fuse. He said, I got this idea for a comic. We've been working so good on wasteland. It's already been greenlit. This is, this is a, a thing. And, and around that, within a few months of that, James had reached out about Stumptown. And I felt like, you know what? If That's a big I want to do this, I think I can do this. I, I have enough cachet at my regular day job that I think I could leave and come back if I needed to. I'm just going to, I'm going to go for this. And I had downtime. I was going to have some months off uh, because my son was born. And I felt like I'm going to run that. I'm going to use that time to just get both feet in there. And we're going to see how it goes. And I took on both projects. And um, they were staggered, but for a while I was doing like, I was on this period where I'd do one issue of one and one issue of the other. 
and we were working far enough ahead that the issues just came out. But I felt like, look, I got two books. If one fails, maybe the other, maybe I'll get to keep the other. I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. Like I'm figuring it out. But what I did know was that editors, if I delivered on time, and especially working on two projects, and they saw me, you know, I, I, w- I was always in communication. Nothing was ever late. I was putting in my best effort and making my best work. And I felt like if I can deliver that, I'll, I'll be able to get more work. I, I felt like I can see this. There's a road there that I can do. And um, thankfully, I mean, knock on wood, it's, it's worked out. I think it's been long enough now. I feel like even if I failed tomorrow, at least I had a good run. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, you've got a show. You did the Hamilton book, which, you know, I know people may have heard. There's this guy <laughs> called Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that book sold like mad. Right. I mean, it did just, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It, um, it's, it's, that was a, it was a really interesting project. I've never done anything that's just um, nonfiction and in the book market, totally different experience. And book market is wildly different than comics and comics is everything's on every, again, small teams, shoestring, like you're just, you're going for it. it it's the margins of error are so much tighter and in a book market. It's like, they'll say to you, we're going to need this cover pretty soon. And you're like, okay, what are we talking like? tomorrow the next day like, no it's like three weeks <laughs> three weeks three weeks for a cover yeah we can we'll figure it out like for sure okay, i'll squeeze late. that like, in and i know you're getting nervous but you don't have to worry we're you know this is a wild amount like the the, the margins are such a different uh, thing um that's the one thing i've ever coming away from and just from like ah this is a pretty cool if, if ever have a lull where i'm like geez I, I think i'll go back to the book market for a little while that is a pretty awesome place i think but uh <laughs> But, but my heart is in comics, and it was a different experience. I, I absolutely enjoyed working on that book uh, with Jonathan. Uh, we had a great time, but um, I don't know, man. I, I, it's, it, it's just a different type of – it's comics in the sense that you're, you're illustrating words, but it, it reads more like an illustrated text. And I missed – I think the only thing I missed about it at that time was the moment-to-moment aspect of comics. That, that wasn't what that book was. Um, but what it was is what it was is exactly what it's tended to be, which was if you really enjoy Hamilton, here is a comic book version of it of that guy's story, but even more extended. You know, not as big as the turnout book in terms of content, but something as a deeper dive into the context of that guy's life. And um, I had an awesome time doing it. I almost turned that book down because I had not seen Hamilton. I didn't know anything about Hamilton. <laughs> and they had uh, uh, Jonathan reached out and said, "Hey, I'm working on this project. I, I think you'd be a good fit for the artist. Uh, hit me up if you're interested." So we got to talking, and uh, I reached out to a friend of mine, an artist here in the Bay, and I said, hey, man, what do you know about Hamilton? And he goes, bro, I've I seen it like twice already. And he, and, like, all I got offered is biography. I don't know much about this. I know, I know people are talking a lot about it because the play had popularized his life, but I don't know much about his life. He says, look, it, give me 10 minutes. Give me, no, give me 15 minutes. I'm going to tell you the story of this guy's life. If you don't think this is interesting, go on and do something else. But if, you, if this is interesting to you, then I think you should – commit to it it's an awesome awesome story and he was right it is an awesome story what a what a wild life uh, Hamilton had it's crazy that must have been such a gift I I love that Tony thanks for bringing that in yeah. I was like yeah you've already brought up because it was so silly but you, you so naturally Justin brought up uh, what I wanted to go into next was the idea about traveling from Wasteland to Fuse and how Anthony Jen- Johnson was like a big part of that you know yeah bringing up this idea you've you've already worked on something now you have this chance to work on something which is a great concept, you know, this yeah. idea of this place in space and uh, following a detective story through these different levels and all the personalities that go with it and what that's like to explore as an artist. Can you just walk us through a little bit about that, that conversation from, hey, this is what we did on Wasteland, but here's something that we're talking about with Fuse and, and what it was like for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, the cool, Anthony's a great writer and working with him, I found him to be a great collaborator too, but the, it makes it a lot easier to commit to the idea of building a world with somebody who's so good at world building. Like it's really one of his strong suits and you can see it in wasteland. I mean, I remember I, I've joked about this with Anthony, but I remember reading a script once and it was like, uh, supposed to be morning and it goes, they must be heading East though, because if the, the sun's in this position in the sky, that means they'd have to be. And like, there's nothing, there, nothing in the story is real. Like there's no, there's no, it's not, there's, it's complete fantasy. There's nothing in there that is specific, that specific. But in his mind, it is that specific because he can see it all super clearly. And I think um, it makes working with him a lot of fun. He has, a, he has such a clear idea of these worlds when, he, when we go into it that, I mean, we, we had a lot of discussion and sketching and, and kicking it back and forth in terms of when he pitched me the idea for the fuse, he said, you know, here's what I think it is. And I started designing around that idea. And then as we sort of 
put our ideas together, we started to push and pull and find this, um, this amazing world. Like it, I, it was an awesome, totally awesome comic. And, and it was to, absolutely different than Wasteland. But I felt very confident building something with him because he's just such a good writer, such a good world builder on his own. Um, How much of Infer Dante's Inferno is in the fuse? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I, I don't think it was in there at all, at least not, not intentionally, but that is a, a question that I'd love to ask Anthony now that you mentioned. That's pretty funny. Um, Feels like it's there. I like that, that it's like, it was like a city, and, and I think he had pitched it to me like, uh, you know, like New York. Uh, you know, I think his original, his original pitch was like Homicide, but on Battlestar Galactica originally in the email and i was like i hate battlestar galactic <laughs> I, I mean i feel like i feel like comics folks aren't supposed to say that but i mean i love the as a kid i liked it but i didn't like this turn and i'm like i don't know man but but i mean i got what he meant obviously and we started kicking around it and i always related it to the bay area because that's where that's where i'm from and just in terms of like this interesting idea that you just put all these people from all around the world into this tightly packed area where there's nowhere to go i mean it's it, it, i just thought it was just such a fascinating idea and um and then setting it as a procedural so like there's so much background to where that story was versus what we gave people as the story went on kind of similar to what we were talking about with um Stumptown, that um you know i mean there's a whole timeline for like the history of the fuse that we i mean nobody would ever see but um anthony had it all, all worked out ahead of time and it was awesome. I mean, it was such an awesome, it was so, such a fully realized world that it made working within it super fun, even though none of it existed either. Like we just kind of made it up. I mean, the cool part about working on sci-fi is none of that stuff exists. So you're like, I think I'm going to make a, a building that looks like a cylinder and drop some of this on there. And what do you think about that? And like, you're just kind of riffing, you know, and that, that's pretty fun. Um, so yeah, we had an awesome time. We did four volumes. I mean, it was, it was I think the longest running thing I've done uh, on my own. I, on my own, I, I just mean in terms of, um, my own series that's the longest thing i've worked on it was amazing for me too it felt like an evolution of two of probably my favorite 90s properties at that time which was green lantern mosaic which was this oh. composite <laughs> world that had been slapped together uh by the, the the guardians and poor john stewart's like trying to manage numerous alien races that are basically neighborhoods pulled from worlds all across the universe and then there was a 90s not huge budget movie called dark city oh uh, yeah yeah it's great. And, yeah. and both of those ideas are immediately what sprung to mind when I heard about Fuse. So I was like, okay, but that's where I'm coming from. That's my own little nerd corner that, that's sort of like, oh, and hearing about your description and hearing the different layers, it, it felt like just taking those ideas and going, okay, now let's just twist them up like a Rubik's Cube and then also let's make it a procedural on top of it. Yeah, and with that many levels, like we didn't even touch, this, we only hit a handful of levels, right? Like any level could be its own story. Like that's the cool right. thing. I felt like even though the world is very confined, there's so much to do within there. I love that idea. Um, we had a great time doing it. Like we, we were able to complete the story we intended to tell, but we still talk about periodically coming back to it. I, I, don't, I don't know that we actually will or not. I mean, only time will tell, but um, I remember at one point we were talking about doing a spinoff series of just the vice cops. We like the vice cops on that. Like it was just, I mean, it was interesting. Like that world is, you could go ahead and just work in a whole, you could tell a whole nother story from another perspective and it becomes like almost a, a completely different book. Well, um, and I'm also pretty sure that something like, you know, Kurt Busiek's Astro City, that, that you could come back to it just like he's done in so many ways and looked at different approaches of like, oh, well, it's a city. There's all these different places that exist. There's all these yeah. different places you can explore and tell stories from and reveal so much more. It feels like Fuse has so many great potentials. Just sort of like, hey guys, whenever you're ready to come back and talk about it, there's this yeah. whole other section that you can yeah. just unlock and, and play with. Yeah, we had a fit, we had an idea for a fifth volume on that too. They're like, oh, if we ever did, what would we do type thing? And I mean, Anthony, he's just, he's just, I remember kind of spitballing with him and he had so many ideas. I thought this could, that would be pretty cool. I, I again, schedule wise, I don't know when it would be. I don't see it as very likely or at least not right, right in the immediate future. But um, we, we both talk about, it's funny. Uh, it's been on Twitter this week. We just got a review and it got us talking about, uh, somebody asked a question about the book. And oh, it's really, yeah. at this point, I think it's out of print even. And I thought, man, that's so crazy. And we got, we just got to talking about it again. Just thought, that's it's funny, this conversation has been so cyclical with uh, the rest of the week. I don't know why, but it's kind of stuff like that. No, that's awesome. Hey, I, I would love, just seriously, out of, I mean, I know 
I would love to know if there's just just because I'm a book nerd. I would love to know if there's some Inferno in there. So seriously, if you would ask him, I would. I will. <laughs> I'll, I'll drop him an email. I'll be curious to know the answer too. Yeah. If you know, I saw a drawing of because again, Fuse was an idea Anthony had first, and he had started to work it up at one point with another artist early on, like just doing development. And I saw an early drawing of it that was like uh, connected to Earth, like it was like a tube, like a long tube that went all the way. New way. It was a totally interesting. There, it, Absolutely different approach, but um, anyhow, yeah, I'll have to I'll, when, I'll have to ask about the Dante's Inferno. That's an interesting uh, idea. I don't know the answer. Well, and I also love that it, it comes back to a soccer concept, which right, you guys trade jerseys. I was going to say right. it. And, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, it's I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm glad we were thinking uh, it. Yeah, that was like the perfect wraparound. Yeah, you guys are trading jerseys at the end of the match. <laughs> When I was a kid and I played uh, AYSO in New York, it was patches. You would trade patches. But as I got older, yeah, you'd have these little patches for your different club. And I remember I still had like this whole collection. I'm like, what do you do with these? You know, I didn't understand what it meant. But as you got older, we would play a classic with different schools or we would trade jerseys. And I was really amazed with that idea, thinking about trading art and how it's just this different extension of that idea. And yeah. I love that you're building your collection that way. It's like, uh, yeah, I'd love to have the money to buy all this original art. But right now I grow my collection through trading. Like, hey, yeah, you, you give you me can go deep. <laughs> That's a deep rabbit hole, man. You can go pretty far. It's wild. I think the only thing I really bought, bought, bought was uh, some tote sketches that, that were pretty cheap. And they're just like quick little drawings on little sheets of paper. But um, just to be close to that kind of genius to have and look at it every now and again, those sketches is, is awesome. Totally awesome. Now, I told myself that I was going to spend a certain amount of time to try, trying to talk to you about Crone and other stuff like that. But this this talk took me in a different direction. And so I want to make sure that at the end of this, I point out the fact that you do have this great ongoing series, which is actually how you and I met. I'd heard about yeah. your launch. I'd, I'd read such great reviews about Fuse, Wasteland, Stumptown that I was like, okay, let me see who this guy is. Let me catch him on the ground floor of a project, learn about something he's doing, and then start tracing my way back and then tony was just like again hands over the head stop down ah! and i'm like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna learn more so i've been having this great experience reading about all these things trying to get my hands on copies um, which has been a challenge because freelance writer you know money there's always that like okay where do i get these from how can i afford to read all of this stuff in the time i'm gonna sit down <laughs> and then it's like okay, let's go a more realistic approach. Let me start with the thing that I know I'm reading right now, which is right. Chrome, which I've really been enjoying. Um, Bliss is a great character, where we meet her, where we get the chance to see you know, the directions going. Talk to me about anything you feel people need to A, know about this book, which I'm really enjoying. And, and Yeah, Crown is, a, I really like that book a lot. It's funny, I think time gets slippery with COVID. Like it feels like forever ago that I worked on it. And yet, I mean, the collection is still coming out. So I know it's not like it is that far, but man, it's, it's so wild. Um, and it's a book I, I started on a long time ago. See, a lot of my projects, almost all of them, I, I collaborated with writers who I, I met as professionals and then we became friends. But uh, Corona is the first, I think, off the top of my head anyway, um, the first time I, I worked on a project with a, with a friend first and then, uh, who was also a writer. And uh, like Dennis Culver, who, who uh, co-created the book, and it was his idea, had hit me up with it. He had, he had told me about it. He was working with another artist uh, developing it. And he said, like, man, I'm working on this, this cool thing. He says, kind of like, uh, how do you, I think he described it like Red Sonia meets uh, Unforgiven. And I thought, damn, that's a, that's a hot premise. I love that. <laughs> I, I think I like drawing characters of age, too. I just think it's more interesting. It's more interesting faces. And I just thought, damn, that's pretty badass. Uh, that's a cool thing. And at one point he said, Hey man, I, I think I'm, I'm shifting gears and I'm going to, I think I'm going to take another direction on this project. Would you be interested in doing it? And at that point I'd, I'd known Dennis for many years. In fact, he used to live in the East Bay also um, really? for a time anyway, at least when, when we were both starting out at Oni and we were at breakfast and he said, he, 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 he started talking about the idea and we just kind of kicking it back and forth. And, and I was offering my opinion on what I think is cool about it. And he was telling me what he already had worked out in, in, in that, Breakfast, we both felt like, dude, we should do this. We really should do this book. I think it's a totally cool premise. And I think drawing it would just be a lot of fun. And, um, and it was. We had, we had a great time. The book's not ongoing. The, the series at this point is over. We have a lot of room to tell more stories. But that is the end of the – it's a complete book at this point. Okay. And, um, okay. 
it is getting collected, I think, December. So originally it was supposed to come out over the summer. I, I don't remember what the original date was. Probably it was over the summer. But uh, now with COVID and everything, the, it's coming, the, the collection of the book is coming out um, December 1st, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, cool. That's something people can look forward to. I know it was a great introduction to me for just sort of like getting to meet you, getting to meet your art, and then sort of like going, okay, what, what else has he done? And along the way, discovering with Tony about Stumptown, learning about Fuse, learning about Wasteland, learning about like, man, I should have been following this guy for a while. Clearly, uh, my knowledge of <laughs> comics is, is always something that can be expanded. And uh, I, I love the premise and I love that introduction. It, it's, it's a great way for me to sort of like not only get to know your art, but see what you're doing storytelling wise and then get the chance to now, you know, go through your great catalog and, and check out your history. I hope anybody listening, if you haven't yet, put Thanks. these names down, write down Stumptown, write down Wasteland, write down Fuse, um, write down Crone, and then find all the other books that I am not wise enough to just recall or have the capacity to do that, but they're out there and these are great things. And then check out the show and send this guy a note. Um, I'm going to let you go for the simple fact that you need to at some point eat. And I know that we <laughs> all do. Yeah. <laughs> More importantly, where can people find you, man? Like, where is a way that people can say, hey, Justin, I caught you on Tony's show. I caught you on Seth's show. There's things you brought up that, man, I would love to know more about, or there's things yeah. you've done that I've always wanted to connect with you about. How do people, like, what platforms do you use? Where can they reach you? I have a website. It's uh, justingreenwoodart.com. Uh, that's the easiest way to find. I mean, it's pretty moderately comprehensive on, on projects I've worked on and all kinds of stuff. But from there, you can check out. I have a Twitter and uh, Instagram and stuff. But, um, I mean, if you're just looking at uh, touch base, that's the best place to do it, yeah. Sounds great. Um, I know I've dug the website. I mean, when I came across it, I was like, oh, we've got this whole thing. Oh, well, this is awesome. I'm just clicking through yeah. all the fun stuff. And, and it, man, it's, it's a really comprehensive. I was like, this, this guy has a good website. I'm, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm taking notes. This is stuff I should do on mine. Oh, that's a great <laughs> idea. That's wow. My, you know, hey, check it out. It's a great platform to just reach Thank out you. and connect and Justin, thanks for being part of Thank this you, man. first time this for Tony been, and I to do this, man. This is quite an honor. <laughs> it was great talking to you guys. I had a lot of fun. It was, it was yeah. nice, to, nice to catch up. Nice to speak to human beings in this uh, <laughs> sure. COVID era. Yeah. That's right. Oh, man. It's awesome. And, <laughs> and have a great conversation with an East Bay guy who's like, yeah, so this is how we deal with the skies outside. And this is how we just sort of like, <laughs> you know. Man, I saw pictures of the East Bay. I'm in I'm in Folsom now, which is like uh, near Sacramento, about two hours. Yeah, two hours from mm -hmm. But uh, I saw pictures of Oakland yesterday that were just so surreal that it was just eerie, man. Just crazy. Yeah. What a time! I, uh, what a crazy time. I flew in last night and I was blown away. I was out with my parents helping them get ready for a move and and coming from one climate to another and feeling like it's not just I'm in another state. I felt like I was in another world and I'm still looking around this morning like. So how long does this last? <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but man, we, we had an amazing conversation. And I know that one of those things I can always look forward to in the midst of all this is something great that can be a distraction from the outside for just a bit that can remind us about why we create this art, why we love this art, why we're so passionate about the people who do it as well as you do, man. And uh, well, thanks thank for you taking much. all the time to talk about it. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks, appreciate you guys. It. Yeah, thanks, thanks awesome. so much, Justin. All right. I'll talk to you all soon. All right. Yeah, Looking bye, forward man. to it, man. Hey, thank you. Well, that was amazing, Seth. That was really awesome, Tony. Uh, I love this concept and how we were able to finally put it together. And, man, what a great conversation with Justin. What an amazing guy to give us What a so great guy. Time. He was so inspirational. I actually think probably clips of some of the things he said may end up in some of the classes I teach. He was, he was quite, the, <laughs> quite the guy. Um, well, let's just tell everybody and then we'll wrap it up because you need to eat and I need to go have a snack because it's almost snack time for me. So um, everybody can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Tricycle Boombox. And you can go to my website, which is just arfarina.com. And if you're not on Twitter, you can send me a message there. It is not nearly as cool as Justin's website, but you can reach me there. 
<laughs> As for me, you can find me for those, you know, quick tidbit conversations on things like Twitter, One More Singleton. You can find my website, Seth Singleton Storyteller. You can follow the podcast, Storytelling with Seth. But really, type in Seth Singleton and story or storytelling and find me whichever way you feel the most comfortable. I, I would love to hear from you. Love talking about great content like this. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, we will see everybody next time. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tony. Well, and I also love that it, it comes back to a soccer concept, which right, you guys trade jerseys. I was going to say right. it. And... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, it's I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm glad you were thinking uh... it. Yeah, that was like the perfect wraparound. <laughs> yeah, you guys are trading jerseys at the end of the match. <laughs> when I was a kid and I played uh, AYSO in New York, it was patches. You would trade patches, but as oh, I got no way. older, yeah, you'd have cool. these little patches for your different club. And I remember I still had like this whole collection. I'm like, what do you do with these? You know, I didn't understand what it meant. But as you got older, we would play a classic with different schools or we would trade jerseys. And I was really amazed with that idea, thinking about trading art and how it's just this different extension of that idea. And, yeah. and how I love that you're building your collection that way. It's like, uh, yeah, I'd love to have the money to buy all this original art. But right now I grow my collection through trading. Like, hey, yeah, you can give you me can ideas. Deep. That's a deep rabbit hole, man. You can go pretty far. It's wild. I think the only thing I really bought, bought, bought was uh, some tote sketches that they were pretty cheap. And they're just like quick little drawings on little sheets of paper. But um, just to be close to that kind of genius to have and look at it every now and again, those sketches is awesome. Totally awesome. Now, I told myself that I was going to spend a certain amount of time to try, trying to talk to you about Crone and other stuff like that. But this, this talk took me in a different direction. And so I want to make sure that at the end of this, I point out the fact that you do have this great ongoing series, which is actually how you and I met. I'd heard about yeah. your launch. I'd, I'd read such great reviews about Fuse, Wasteland, Stumptown that I was like, okay, let me see who this guy is. Let me catch him on the ground floor of a project, learn about something he's doing, and then start tracing my way back and then tony was just like again hands over the head <laughs> stop and i'm like okay i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna learn more so i've been having this great experience reading about all these things trying to get my hands on copies um, which has been a challenge because freelance writer you know money there's always that like okay where do i get these from how can i afford to read all of this stuff in the time i'm gonna sit down <laughs> and then it's like okay, let's go a more realistic approach. Let me start with the thing that I know I'm reading right now, which is right. Chrome, which I've really been enjoying. Um, Bliss is a great character, where we meet her, where we get the chance to see you know, the directions going. Talk to me about anything you feel people need to A, know about this book, which I'm really enjoying. And, and yeah, Crown is, a, I really like that book a lot. It's funny, I think time gets slippery with COVID. Like it feels like forever ago that I worked on it. And yet, <laughs> Whereas, I mean, the collection is still coming out, so I know it's not like it is that far, but man, it's, it's so wild. Um, and it's a book I, I started on a long time ago. See, a lot of my projects, almost all of them, I, I collaborated with writers who I, I met as professionals, and then we became friends. But uh, Corona's the first, I think, off the top of my head anyway, um, the first time I, I worked on a project with a, with a friend first, and then, uh, who's also a writer. And uh, like Dennis Culver, who... who uh, co-created the book and it was his idea it hit me up with it. He, had, he had told me about it he was working with another artist uh developing it and he said man i'm working on this this cool thing he says kind of like uh how do you, i think he described it like red sonia meets uh, unforgiven and i thought damn that's a that's a hot premise i love that <laughs> I, I think i like drawing characters of age too i just think it's more interesting it's more interesting faces and i just thought damn that's pretty badass uh, that's a cool thing and at one point he said, Hey man, I, I think I'm, I'm shifting gears and I'm going to, I think I'm going to take another direction on this project. Would you be interested in doing it? And at that point I had, I'd known Dennis for many years. In fact, he used to live in the East Bay also um, really? for a time anyway, at least when, when we were both starting out at Oni. 
and we were at breakfast and he said, he, he's, he's, we started talking about the idea and we just kind of kicking it back and forth. And, and I was offering my opinion on what I think is cool about it. And he was telling me what he already had worked out. And in, in that breakfast, we both felt like, dude, we should do this. We really should do this book. I think it's a totally cool premise. And I think drawing it would just be a, a lot of fun. And, um, and it was, we had, we had a great time. The book's not ongoing. The, the series at this point is over. We have a lot of room to tell more stories, but that is the end of the, it's a complete book at this point. Okay. And, um, okay. It is getting collected, I think December. So originally it was supposed to come out over the summer. I, I don't remember what the original date was. Probably it was over the summer, but, uh, now with COVID and everything that's coming, the, the collection of the book is coming out, um, December 1st, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, cool. That's something people can look forward to. I know it was a great introduction to me for just sort of like getting to meet you, getting to meet your art, and then sort of like going, okay, what what else has he done? And along the way, discovering with Tony about Stumptown, learning about Fuse, learning about Wasteland, learning about like, man, I should have been following this guy for a while. Clearly, uh, my knowledge of <laughs> comics is is always something that can be expanded. And uh, I, I love the premise and I love that introduction. It, it's, it's a great way for me to sort of like, not only get to know your art, but see what you're doing storytelling wise and then get the chance to now, you know, go through your great catalog and, and check out your history. I hope anybody listening, if you haven't yet, put Thanks. these names down, write down Stumptown, write down Wasteland, write down Fuse, um, write down Crone, and then find all the other books that I am not wise enough to just recall or have the capacity to do that, but they're out there and these are great things. And then check out the show and send this guy a note. Um, I'm going to let you go for the simple fact that you need to at some point eat. And I know that <laughs> we all do great. Yeah. <laughs> More importantly, where can people find you, man? Like, where is a way that people can say, hey, Justin, I caught you on Tony's show. I caught you on Seth's show. There's things you brought up that, man, I would love to know more about. Or there's things yeah. you've done that I've always wanted to connect with you about. How do people, like, what platforms do you use? Where can they reach you? I have a website. It's uh, justingreenwoodart.com. Uh, that's the easiest way to find, I mean, it's pretty moderately comprehensive on, on projects I've worked on and all kinds of stuff. But from there, you can check out, I have a Twitter and uh, Instagram and stuff. But um, I mean, if you're just looking at uh, touch base, that's the best place to do it. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, I know I've dug the website. I mean, when I came across it, I was like, oh, we've got this whole thing. Oh, well, this is awesome. I'm just clicking through yeah. all the fun stuff. And, and <laughs> it, man, it's it's a really comprehensive. I was like, this, this guy has a good website. I'm, I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm taking notes. This is stuff I should do on mine. Oh, that's a great <laughs> idea. That's, wow. My, you know, hey, check it out. It's a great platform to just reach thank out you. and connect. And Justin, thanks for being part of thank this you, man. first time this for Tony been, and I to do this, man. <laughs> this is quite an honor. It was great talking to you guys. I had a lot of fun. It was, it was yeah. nice, to, nice to catch up. Nice to speak to human beings in this uh, <laughs> for sure. era. Yeah. That's right. Oh man. It's awesome. And <laughs> and have a great conversation with an East Bay guy who's like, yeah, so this is how we deal with the skies outside. And this is how we just sort of like, you know. <laughs> man, I saw pictures of the East Bay. I'm in I'm in Folsom now, which is like uh near Sacramento, about two hours. Yeah. Two hours from mm -hmm. But uh I saw pictures of Oakland yesterday that were just so surreal that it was just eerie, man. Just crazy. Yeah, what a time. I, uh, I, what a time? I flew in last night and I was blown away. I was out with my parents helping them get ready for a move and, and coming from one climate to another and feeling like it's not just I'm in another state. I felt like I was in another world and I'm still looking around this morning like, so how long does this last? <laughs> man, unbelievable. Yeah, um, but man, we, we had an amazing conversation and I know that one of those things I can always look forward to in the midst of all this is something great that can be a distraction from the outside for just a bit that can remind us about why we create this art, why we love this art, why we're so passionate about the people who do it as well as you do, man. And uh, well, thank thanks for you taking all the time to talk about it. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> thanks awesome. so much, Justin. All right. I'll talk to you all soon. All right. Yeah, Looking bye, forward man. to it, man. Hey, thank you. Well, that was amazing, Seth. That was really awesome, Tony. Uh, I love this concept and how we were able to finally put it together. And man, what a great conversation with Justin. What an amazing guy to give us What a so great much guy. Time. He was so inspirational. I actually think probably clips of some of the things he said may end up in some of the classes I teach. He was, he was quite, the, <laughs> quite the guy. 
Um, well, let's just tell everybody and then we'll wrap it up because you need to eat and I need to go have a snack because it's almost snack time for me. So um, everybody can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Tricycle Boombox. And you can go to my website, which is just arfarina.com. And if you're not on Twitter, you can send me a message there. It is not nearly as cool as Justin's website, but you can reach me there. <laughs> as for me, you can find me for those, you know, quick tidbit conversations on things like Twitter, one more singleton. You can find my website, Seth Singleton Storyteller. You can follow the podcast, Storytelling with Seth. But really, Type in Seth Singleton in story or storytelling and find me whichever way you feel the most comfortable. I, I would love to hear from you. Love talking about great content like this. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, we will see everybody next time. Thanks, Seth. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tony.